there's a significant delay, right? There's a delay. There's like a, I don't know, like maybe even close to 20 seconds of delay. I don't know. I'm going to report it to um, Blog Talk when I do my my feedback on this hi-fi bullshit, which I'm not really digging. I I hope it's a choice that we get to make later. I don't know. Tonight's question is about the Weasleys and Dark Ass. Um, So I was listening to your podcast, and it was awesome, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. And at the end, you were talking about the lack of development in Jenny and Ron. I know you totally hate them both, but is it because of who they are in the book or because you see what they could have been that pisses you off? And could you ever see yourself writing a redemption of one of them? If you're echoing reboot, I don't have any other um, suggestions because, like I said, it's um, I'm I'm still doing that stupid. Um, uh, it's actually kind of echoing in my headset too. By the way, I'm uh, I'm did some stupid beta hi-fi thing that I deeply regret but can't take back. Anyways, so. Um, tonight we're going to talk about Ron and Jenny Weasley. And um, first up, I want to talk about Jenny. Um, I think that Jenny had a lot of potential. She could have been interesting, um, both magically and as a character. Um, but she wasn't. She turned out to be just as... Um, It's so annoying, actually, because um, you don't get any sort of of real. There's no depth to her. Absolutely, you're right. She is two dimensional, um, and in some cases, she's practically one dimensional. There's so little about her that is um, that makes her stand out. And frankly, every single thing that happens to Jenny and that Jenny is involved in could have been done by another character already in the um, series. Um, Most of her activities could have been given to anybody. Practically anybody could have taken Jenny's place in, in canon. And that makes her character redundant. When you're working in a work and, um, all of your characters um, have a role, have a definition, have a place. But when you have a character that could literally be her actions, his or her actions could literally be done by practically anybody else in the entire book, you have to accept that you've written a redundant character. And if she's redundant and serves no purpose, why is she on your page? Well, the obvious answer is an author insert, and it happens. I don't know that that's the case with Jenny. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, I'm I'm not going to make any... mm, I think it probably is. Um, But (laughs) we're going to let that part go. Um, What bothers me most about Jenny is her corruption in her first year. She is left there's never any closure on that she was possessed by the darkest wizard of the time for a year and they never even bring up whether or not she went to see a healer afterwards I mean there 
there's nothing. She was literally magically possessed, and there is no follow-up on that. And I find that crazy. I find that craziness. Um, but here's a curiosity for me. It's it's always been a curiosity for me. Um, is the victims of the basilisk? And um, I was discussing this in a group with um with a. I was discussing this in the mod group uh, where I don't play favorites. They're just, they all work for me in the, in the groups and help me out. So don't go there. Anyways, <laughs> they really, really super help me. <laughs> so maybe they are my favorite bitches, but that's just because they're really, really helpful and very funny and entertaining and bitchy. And I love bitches. Anyways, let's discuss the victims of the basilisk. The snake doesn't give a fuck who it targets. The diary had no... Again, it didn't care. I mean, the diary had no reason to care about which victims were chosen, beyond perhaps their blood status. Right? That's the only thing that the diary might have been interested in. This is a 16-year-old version of Tom Riddle. He doesn't have any real enemies in the school besides Harry Potter, which the basilisk never goes near. Now, who does the basilisk take? Mrs. Norris. And what is Mrs. Norris? She is um, the cat. She has been a pain in the ass for the Weasley twins since they started. She got Harry and Ron in trouble. So, okay, so maybe that was Jenny's test. This is an animal that has made things difficult for her brothers. So she's going to... The next victim is Colin Creevy. He's only the boy that makes Harry's life a living hell by being the ultimate fangirl possible. Right? He's Harry's biggest fan. So, mm. the next one is a ghost, and he was with Colin when that happened. The one after that is Justin Finch Finchley, and isn't he the one that had a real problem with Harry being a parcel mouth and accused him of being the heir of Slytherin? Yeah, Creepy was a stalker, but he was Harry's stalker. And how dare anybody but Jenny stalk Harry? The next victim is Hermione Granger. The girl in her way. Nick was with Justin, not Colin. Yeah. Um, the girl in her way. The girl who has all of Harry's time and attention. Creepy was competition. Um, but Hermione was the ultimate competition. The next victim is Penelope Clearwater, Percy's half-blood girlfriend. Now, if there's any sibling that Jenny and the rest of the other Weasley kids dislike the most, it's Percy. So here we are. Here are the victims of the Basilisk, and every single one of them is significant to Jenny and Harry. Because every time one of these things happens, Harry is blamed, right? The cat, they blame Harry. Colin, well, Colin stalks Harry, so maybe it's Harry's fault. But what it really is is Jenny taking out people that are in her way.
And then, of course, conveniently after it's all over with, she forgets it ever happened. She has no memories whatsoever of being possessed. She has no memories of being, of waking up, having blacked out, covered in the blood of chickens. Because, really, she drew on the wall with chicken blood. But every victim of the basilisk, except for the ghost, is significant to Harry. And we know that Harry isn't doing it. Jenny is. And why did the basilisk pick them? The basilisk doesn't give a fuck. The basilisk doesn't doesn't care. The diary doesn't care. The diary only cares about Harry Potter. But Jenny... Jenny cares a lot. She punished the cat for getting her brothers in trouble. She punished Colin for getting on Harry's nerves. She punished Justin Finch Fletchley for saying that Harry was an evil parcel mouth and an heir of Slytherin and um, all that crap. She punished Hermione Granger for being in her way. Oh, Penn says that it was Nick's fault that Harry was blamed for Mrs. Norris, and this is true. It is Nick's fault he was blamed for um, Mrs. Norris because Harry was at um, Nick's death day party and come across the cat and got bl- and instantly got blamed for it by practically everybody, except for you know Dumbledore, who knew far more than he had to know. He had to know, but that's an entirely separate thing. She got rid of Hermione because she got Hermione out of the way because Hermione took too much of Harry's time. And finally, get a little dig at Percy, who's been ignoring her all year and hasn't been the brother she wanted him to be. He's stuck up and he's arrogant and he's mean to all his siblings at at Hogwarts. She doesn't attack her brother. She just attacks his girlfriend instead. And you will never convince me that Jenny didn't pick the victims. Because there's only really two or three people in the whole school that could have had a problem with all of these people, ghost and cat included. And that is Jenny and Harry. Although Harry had no beef with Penelope Clearwater. I mean, he's not very fond of Percy. So that could very well play into that, too. But all of the victims are significant to Harry and therefore targets to Jenny. I'm just saying. I think that um, that's just, it it always struck me, it always struck me, because if the diary's not picking the victims, and they were significant, and they were specific, it wasn't random. There was nothing random about the victims that were chosen. And the snake doesn't care. That only leaves her. It literally only leaves her. So she had to have chose the victims. Which means she straight up tried to murder four people and a cat. The ghost was already dead, obviously. She tried except that would imply that Jenny had the time to outline every single The diary would have had to have had a huge amount of information to pick these victims. 
information that Jenny had. Did she have time to pile right all this information into the diary before the first victim? The answer is I don't think so. And also, Tom Riddle is really arrogant, so I don't think he would have tried to say that Harry Potter was the heir of Slytherin. How insulting is that to the real heir of Slytherin? Would he have really set Harry up? He he did it to Hagrid, too, but it was different with Hagrid. He blamed Hagrid for a murder. It does make Jenny look like a psycho stalker. Because if he's gotten all of this from Jenny, which I don't believe he did, um, because if he did and when he was in the possession of Harry, the diary would have been able, would have had a lot more information on Harry than it, than it, than it obviously did. And she didn't have enough time physically to give the diary that much information. And he only framed Hagrid to stay in school because he didn't want the school to get closed. Um, and I doubt, I don't believe for a second he would have tried to have literally said that a half-giant was the heir to Slytherin because he is the heir of Slytherin, and um, he's very proud of that. He's he's very proud of his noble, pure pure blood, I just did some quotes, air quotes, um, um, heritage. So, no, I... I firmly believe that Jenny chose the victims, which makes it makes her a terrible person. And even if she was influenced by this Horcrux, and that's entirely possible that he could have woke something up in her that um, altered her or changed her. I mean, she had it for a whole year almost, except for that small time that Harry had. And we both, and we, and we all know what a what a Horcrux will do to a person. You watch it happen to Harry and Hermione and Ron when they're holding the locket, when they're having the locket. Um, and the diary was the first Horcrux, so it was literally half of Tom Riddle's soul. It was eating her from the inside out. Yeah, absolutely. And it was feeding on her magic. And so, yes, it could have corrupted her, and it could have encouraged a darkness in her that would have never been. Oh, Jenny had a great source of information on Harry. She had Ron. And she had a whole summer before school started to ask Ron everything he knew about the real Harry Potter. And of course, that's the first thing she did when she cornered him at home. Tell me about Harry Potter. Tell me everything you know about Harry Potter. And of course, Ron, being full of himself and being all proud of being the best friend of the boy who lives, told Jenny every single thing he knew. So even if she was just some little crazy fangirl before her first year, she was exposed and then possessed by a um, horcrux for a year, except for that short period of time that Harry had the diary. Um, and it's never addressed. 
never it never comes up again and it's so it's so terrible. I don't think it was malicious over the summer. Jenny was just excited to 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 hear about Harry Potter, to hear about the real Harry Potter. But then she gets the diary and and something in her wakes up and it starts to change. And cuz this the, the the damn locket which was not even a third of Voldemort's soul did that to Ron and Hermione and Harry. It played on their weaknesses and in their character. It played on their fears. Just imagine what the diary, which was half of Riddle's soul, imagine what it did to Jenny Weasley. And it's never addressed. You never hear about her going to a healer. You never hear about her going to counseling. I don't even think she saw a nurse after being in the damn Chamber of Secrets. Did she? Did she see a nurse? I don't know. I think she went to her mom. I mean, I just don't know what happened. I, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what happened in the movie because I don't actually watch the movies. Um, I just... So, okay, so it goes along and, you know, Jenny kind of disappears, really. I mean, we really don't see her a lot. Um, she did go to the nurse, uh, but she didn't go to a mind healer that we're aware of. Poppy saw her. In the movie or in the book? But regardless, Poppy is just like a school nurse. (laughs) Yeah, she kind of failed to notice that Harry wasn't getting fed much over the summer. Anyways, um, <clears throat> that's another discussion altogether right there. Uh, I just, I, I feel like something terrible happened to Jenny Weasley her first year, and everybody essentially ignored it. There, I mean, I, I guess that the, you could say that the, that the idea of, of Voldemort was so taboo, that the very idea that she was possessed, by the darkest wizard of their time for a year was more than they could take. Samuel Chen says, Tom had also been killing and torturing since he was little. The diary is at 16. How much more corruption is that compared to 11-year-old Jenny? Jenny Jenny was, was, was young. She was innocent. She was idealistic. She was... She was at that stage where she's waiting for a prince to come save her on a white horse. And what she got was a diary full of the an evil mother child fuck an evil child murdering motherfucker. That's what Tom Riddle is. And I have a whole discussion about that whole thing about how no one brings it up that it no one seems surprised that both Harry and Neville were nearly murdered as children. Neville more than once. Harry probably more than once if you count his relatives in the muggle world. It just seems like children are practically disposable in the magical world. But, which is also you know, something you could say about Jenny, is that they didn't put any... Um, They weren't all that concerned about her emotional 
and um, mental well-being. So even if they are magical, because, okay, Jenny was possessed by a dark wizard for a year. Nothing ever gets said about her emotional and mental trauma. Harry is kidnapped from Hogwarts, forced to watch the murder of a fellow student, tortured by a dark wizard. (laughs) Then he's sent home to the muggle world without any sort of mental or emotional count. This is... at all. He's just... at all. There's just no... there's nothing. There's nothing. There's there's no counseling. There's no, they don't even question um, Harry's trauma mentally, you know his mental and emotional trauma of having watching Cedric murdered. Um, it happens again when when Sirius is killed right before him. There is never any. Um, is it? It's never addressed. It's never addressed that Harry literally watched the murder of his godfather. Um, and he's, uh, yet again, abandoned over the summer and left to deal with yet another murder for the second year in a row, Cedric and then Sirius, back to back. And again, he gets no mental counseling. They don't even ask him, are, dude, are you doing okay? Are you, are, are you having nightmares? I mean, is, is, is anything going on? How can I help you out? And he killed in his first year. Again, no mental health counseling whatsoever. Maybe it just doesn't exist in the, in the magical world, but it does in my magical world because, hello, people need help. There doesn't seem to be any health care at all for, for, for mental problems in, in the magical world and abandoned every summer. But this is about Jenny, not Harry. Okay, so Jenny, you know, she kind of disappears for a while, and, and she's kind of in the background a lot, and she's still crushing on Harry and, you know, just being – just going about her business. And then fifth year, she emerges as this um, super powerful Mary Sue Jenny um, – and okay, fine. I, I'm on board with that. Be a badass, Jenny. You're the seventh. You're the seventh child. Be a badass. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Hmm. It's not. It's not awesome because okay, Jenny's brilliant and she's sporty and she's powerful magically and she's handling all these spells and she's being a boss about it. But then you know what she gets turned into? A goddamn trophy. She gets turned into a goddamned trophy. But that's not as bad as Hermione, because Hermione went from brilliant and level-headed to a shrew to someone who was only really valuable by Book 7 when she was helping Harry to a participation trophy at the end of the series. So here she is. Here, 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 here it is. They have created. She's created these two smart, powerful, you know, magical women, and they are both reduced to a trophy wife by book seven. Really. 
So that's why I don't like the character of Jenny Weasley. Because, number one, she's redundant. Number two, she's corrupt from 11 years on up, and they never address it. And I just kept thinking in the back of my mind, oh, my God, Harry is having babies with this woman who was tainted by Voldemort at 11 years old. She consorted with his mortal enemy for a year. That won't be a problem. Okay. Just saying. I just say I don't buy it. I never did buy it. I never did buy it. Um, good night. Um, and I have a real problem with the Hermione Ron pairing, as you guys know, and we're going to discuss Ron next. I um, I just I'm. I'm really, I gave myself 90 minutes because I knew, I knew I did not want to run out of time and not get to discuss Ron, and I'm, I'm, I've already been going for almost 30, so that's why the show is 90 minutes long tonight. I probably won't use all 90 minutes, but I didn't want to get cut off in the middle of my ranting about Ron Weasley. <laughs> so, for Jenny, it's just because she's two-dimensional. Um, she was, um, I was disappointed in her character arc. I, um, Nancy, I'm going to talk about that in just a second, okay? Um, Nancy said in the chat room, I begin to see why you're being so careful about body autonomy in Phoenix. I actually have a very complicated answer for that, so, so give me a minute. But Jenny is two-dimensional. She's um, badly developed. She ends up being nothing more than a trophy wife. Um, and it, uh, it, And her lack of, and just that whole thing about whether or not, just, I, I have a real problem with the fact that she had to murder four people when she was 11. No matter how the Horcrux was um, um, dealing with her. I actually um, am redeeming Jenny in a story. It's not currently online available anywhere. It's, it's not an excerpt. Um, it's a... Uh, it's a different kind of story, um, and I haven't shared it with anybody. Um, no one's seen it, but um, Jenny gets a heads up when when she's very young, and she does get mental health counseling, and she does realize that um, uh, what she thought Harry was and what actually Harry is are two entirely different things. Okay, so yes, I could, I, I am going to redeem Jenny. Um, I'm actually writing a semi-decent, could be a good person, Ron Weasley, in um, The War Mages, uh, but he's being manipulated because <laughs> Harry's traveled through time, so he already knows the mistakes that Ron will make, you know, so he's trying to to um, push Ron and Hermione in, in a different direction and make them better than they are. And... Um, I often, when I write Jenny Weasley, I tend to make her um, so damaged by what happened to her as a little girl that really what, what happens to her um, and, and what she does is, is not really w within her control because I don't think she's mentally well. Um, as a character, I don't know how she could have been. I really don't. Um, I am, so I am redeeming... Um, the two characters in different stories. And in fact, in the story where I'm redeeming Jenny, um, there's also a um, a side plot um, with Ron who 
gets his head forcibly removed from his ass. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm 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 looking forward to that uh, to sharing that guys um, to sharing that with you. Okay, about Phoenix, and and then we're going to discuss Ron. Phoenix is a story that I'm writing for my niece, and she is um, ten years old, and she asked me to write her a story about. Um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and she wanted Hermione to go to the ball with Harry, and she gave me a whole list of things she wanted to happen in the book. And so um, while I was putting the story together, it occurred to me that it would be a very good time to teach my niece a few things about... um, Basically, it's just my way of giving my niece a sex talk. Without actually giving her the sex talk, it's about um, teaching her uh, self-respect and um, uh, you know some honesty of, of, about emotional connections and sex and body autonomy and and owning herself and owning her decisions and um, so really Phoenix is um, for monies and uh, I'm sharing it with you guys as an also. But it's really it's um it's totally for her. And there are some plot points that are absolutely ridiculous, but she wanted them. So they're gonna so they're gonna be in there because ultimately the story is for her and it's not for me and it's not for you guys. <laughs> it's for her. So, you know, there's some craziness in there and you know, you're just gonna you're just gonna have to swing with it. <laughs> and and there'll be an author's note to that effect. You know, you just kinda have to swing with this. Um I did. I, I did. Um, I, I do tend to because I don't. Um, those of you who listen to my podcast um, know that I'm actually I'm very blunt and explicit about um, how sex works and how sex shouldn't work, and this is what you should and should not do. And um, and, and speaking of, <laughs> in the modern, <laughs> there is no replacement for an actual cock. I just want to put that out there with no context. There is no replacement for an actual cock. If you like that sort of thing. Anyways, about Ron. From the moment you meet Ron Weasley, you know everything you need to know about Ron Weasley. He is the Gryffindor version of Draco Malfoy. The only difference between Draco Malfoy and Ron Weasley, beyond the fact that one has red hair and one has blonde, is that Draco grows. Draco actually has ten times more character development than Ron does throughout the entire fucking book series. Draco is smart. He's as smart as Hermione. Um, but Ron, Ron is lazy and he's entitled and I could honestly almost overlook those things, but then he's something else that I cannot overlook. Ron Weasley is a fair weather friend and there is nothing more foul to me than a fair weather friend. He betrays Harry at the drop of a hat. I mean that literally. He betrays Harry at every single opportunity. He puts himself first. He 
I don't even think his emotional attachment to, her, um, um, to, to Hermione is sincere. I just think he wanted to get there first. He just wanted to get there before Harry. He just he just wanted to have something he thought Harry might want. That's just that's just how I feel about Ron. Um, no matter what J.K. Rowling's um, motivations were for writing Ron the way she did. Um, even she, she, he's so predictable in his portrayal that she had um, Dumbledore leave him a device that tracked Harry when Harry, when Ron eventually turned his back on him again. is immature, he's lazy, and he is so disloyal, it's heartbreaking. It is literally heartbreaking to see um, Harry repeatedly, repeatedly, over and over and over and over again, forgive Ron for his bullshit. Oh, oh my God. And I will always, always, always believe that she killed the wrong Weasley. Ron could have died in book six. It would have been okay. But Ron could have definitely died in book seven. And we could have just kept Fred. I'm just saying. <coughs> I have such a hard time dealing with Ron's disloyalty and his jealousy and his and really honestly seriously in canon what the fuck does harry have that ron has any right whatsoever to be jealous over nothing harry has nothing that Ron has any legitimate reason to be jealous over. His fame is ugly and built on the fact that his parents were murdered. He has a little gold in his vault, but in one of the books it said he couldn't actually buy the firebolt that he ends up getting because it would have wiped his vault out. So it's not like he actually has a super amount of money in the bank. And that's all that's mentioned. There's no mention of a Potter estate. There's no mention of of, of um, whether or not he'll get the land in Godric's Hollow in, in canon. All Harry has, really, is a little bit of gold in his vault to buy books with. And fame. Harry has fame. And it's ugly and mean and fickle fame. And this is what Ron wants. And if you weren't sure of Ron's character on the train, when he presented himself as basically a mirror image of Draco Malfoy, when they find the mirror and Harry looks in the mirror and all he sees is his family standing all around him, 
And Ron sees himself as the head boy and as the captain of the Quidditch team and all these things. Ron sees a trophy. That's right, Sahara. Ron sees a trophy. Ron sees himself being given things he has no intention of earning. This happens at Yule in the book. I'm not sure when it happens in the movie. Um, so you already know that, number one, Ron is lazy. He has no interest whatsoever in the schoolwork that he, that he is doing. Um, he doesn't want help doing the schoolwork that he's doing. He almost gets Hermione killed for it. Um, he's ill-tempered. He's a bully. He He's jealous. And all he sees in the mirror is him being given things he could not possibly have earned. When he becomes a prefect, he didn't earn that shit. He didn't earn a single bit of it. I... Foolhardy, yeah, I agree that I think Ron is foolhardy. He's um, he's disloyal. He's lazy. I don't know if he's stupid or if it's just the laziness. Um, but I can I can forgive a lot of things. But what I absolutely cannot forgive is disloyalty. And he is a betrayer. He turns on Harry at the least provocation. He, but here's the kicker, and here is the reason why in canon Ron is not redeemable and Ron did not deserve Hermione. From the very beginning, you get the impression that Ron would gladly and with no, without even a moment to think about it, he would trade places with Harry Potter. He wants that so much. He would trade places with Harry Potter, whose parents were murdered, who has no siblings. All he has is fame and a little bit of gold and a trust vault in the bank. And Ron would give up all of his brothers and his sister and his parents for that. He would give up his entire family for fame. And to be given things did not earn. But yes, Claire, because she said, and Harry would willingly trade with him. Yes, he would. Harry would give absolutely anything to be a part of a family. Every bit of gold he has And doesn't he? Doesn't Harry give everything to be a part of that family? He marries Jenny to be a part of that family. At what point did Harry develop any kind of reasonable affection for Jenny that would translate into a marriage and children? None. I did. I did I did do that in um uh um that old black magic. I had Harry ask Ron 
how much his family was worth, how much money would Harry have to give him in order to um, be satisfied. You know, just basically, um, I'll buy your family from you. What are they worth to you? Because I think Ron could put a price on his family, every single one of them, because he would trade places with Harry. And and while Harry would trade places with Ron, it, it isn't the same emotion. It isn't the same emotion. Because Ron wants fame, and Harry just wants love. Harry wants love, and that's why I think ultimately... We can do you know all kinds of things and fanning about his relationship with Jenny and it being love potions or whatever, but I think ultimately Harry didn't marry Jenny. He married the whole Weasley family. He made himself a family because he didn't have one, so he went out and he got himself one, the biggest one as he could find. And he embraced all that, which is actually the saddest thing about Harry Potter. That is literally the saddest thing about the entire series is that Harry, in the end, married a two-dimensional fangirl to get a family. Yeah, he definitely should have married George. (laughs) He would have been a much better choice. (laughs) And that's really sad. But Ron, Ron, you know, I... I have to not think about him too much, honestly. Um, I think Percy is an underutilized character in the um, in the franchise. We don't learn a lot about him. He's ambitious, and I don't know why he wasn't in Slytherin. Um, he's ambitious, and he's a little thoughtless, and he's a little self-involved, which honestly, honestly, seriously, seriously, that's not actually all that different than the rest of his family. Now, I'm not trying to bash the whole Weasley family, but they're all a little self-involved. All a little focused more on themselves than each other. Molly sees success and doing well through her children. She takes pride in their success like it's her own. So in some ways, Molly pushing Jenny and Harry together is kind of really hinky and weird when you think about it. It's a little creepy. A little creepy. But Percy grew up in a poor family, and he wanted more. He wanted ambition. He he embraced that ambition and that success, and he wanted um, more than, than what he grew up with. And he really isn't all that different, really, honestly, from Bill and Charlie. They just had better personalities. But they all three had the same goal. Get out of mom's house, make my own money, live my own way. That's the same thing for Bill, Charlie, and Percy, and the twins. They're all the same. They are literally all the same. They just have different personalities and about how they approach it. You know, Charlie is all about avoidance. I'm not even going to be here for this. And Bill is, you know, 
rebellious. Oh, I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work for the bank, not the ministry. And da, da, da. and Percy is all about doing exactly what his mother wants him to do, but doing it in the most infuriating way possible. Because I don't think Percy wants her to take pride in his accomplishments. Those are his, not hers. Now, Bill and Charlie don't give a shit. But Percy, he's watched her take pride in Bill's performance in school and in Charlie's performance in school and Charlie's talent on, the, on a broom and Bill's career. So the time he gets out of Hogwarts, the last thing he wants to do is um, lay his accomplishments before his mother for her to be proud of. You know, does that does does that make sense? That's, that's how I feel about it. And the twins, they're all they're all rebellion. They're like a hundred percent rebellion. I they want to embarrass their mother and be a success at the same time. That's exactly what they want. Percy does want something that is just his. That is just his. And um Ultimately, I think Charlie is twice as selfish as Percy uh, because he he totally separated himself from his family. He uh, just there there's no I don't know there's there's some kind of disconnect there for Charlie. And it could be just because there were too many characters and, and J.K. Rowling didn't um, properly you know develop that situation. Uh, but the twins' goal is to be successful and to do so in such a way that their mother can't take pride in it. So in that respect, Percy and the twins are very much alike. You're absolutely right. They um, they they all three want success, but they want it in such a way that their mother can't own it, what Molly accomplished. I don't know, that's just, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, and But Ron, Ron expects everything to be handed to him. I mean, he expects everything to be handed to him, up into including the brightest witch of the age, and that is exactly what he gets. Ron ended up going to, um, he became, he worked in law enforcement for a while, and then he went to work at the joke shop with George, right? Um <clears throat> Because he really probably only went to the ministry to work because Harry did. Or to keep an eye on his wife, who worked. Oh, I think that Ron was, was very much spoiled. He was very catered to. Um, he was the last male... Um, he, uh, his gluttony. Oh, God. Oh, God. I hated to read the parts where he ate in the books. I, I hated it. I could almost visualize it, and it could be why I really wasn't all that interested in watching the, um, the, 
the movies because, oh, God. But what it boils down to is that Ron is a selfish, spoiled, lazy, unfaithful bully. And I have never had time for bullies. If Ron is one of the seven sins, I'd pick sloth for him. Sloth or gluttony. I don't know which one. None of the other ones are lazy like that, so I I guess it has to be sloth. (laughs) You just got plot buddied in the middle of my radio show. Okay, folks, um, that's it. Otherwise, this is not going to end up being short and junk. It's just going to be really long and junk. (laughs) So that's my feelings on... um, Ron and Jenny Weasley, and um, you guys have a great night, and tomorrow we're going to discuss gosh, we're gonna come back and discuss first and third person again, and this time you bitches are gonna go away from the conversation with a deep understanding of third person, even if it kills us both, all of us. We're going to handle it tomorrow. We're going to handle it. So you guys have a great night.